Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me as we get to the end ish um, is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Like you mentioned, coming up to the end, coming up to the start of the season. We're only about a couple, I guess when we're recording this, about a week or two away from uh, one the week. start. Yeah, one week exactly. So we had some exhibitions going on. Uh, we'll talk about one of those teams that was in an exhibition but uh, at the time we're recording this. So uh, yeah, we're really getting down to it. High yep. school kicks off the uh, the weekend we aren't recording. So yep, there you go. Um this is going to be like like we've done the other, in the past. We've done by geography. This is not going to be by geography as much. This is going to be what we call the others. Uh, Texas, Abilene Christian, AM Corpus Christi. You know, kind of geographically not around as much. But uh, I, I joked with you off the pod, we could have put Abilene Christian in DFW instead of uh, UTRGV, but... Hey, look, that's what the that's what the UIL does with some realignments. They throw an Abilene <laughs> school in with, in with the, the DFW area. So. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, we have Texas, Abilene Christian, and m Corpus Christi today. Uh, three schools. Well, the first two schools obviously making the NCAA tournament in the men's side, uh, also having uh, solid women's teams as well, um, and a m Corpus Christi. I didn't know this just real quick before we even get into anything. The women's mm-hmm. side won the conference two years ago, or was twenty three and seven and seventeen and three in the conference two years ago. I didn't even know that, but yeah, uh, that gives you some optimism for them as well. So, but let's start with Texas. For those who don't know, we spend six minutes on each team, six minutes on six teams, and um, try to get in and get out, give our expectations, give our uh, predictions, and all that good stuff. So, let me get my timer ready. Six minutes. Uh, you can, you can start us off on the on the mid side here. Go ahead. Okay. So Texas goes 19 and 8 last year, 11 and 6 in conference. Of course, wins the or, uh, uh, yes, wins the Big 12 tournament over Oklahoma State 91-86. Shaka Smart uh, looks like he's riding high. He's has he has a team that's kind of balanced with veterans and length and youth. Um, they finally look like a team that he had been kind of trying to put together uh, defensively in terms of athleticism and, and work ethic and things like that. They're not the cleanest offensive team, but they're, they're good enough. I mean, especially in the big 12, you just kind of got to be good enough at times to, uh, offensively uh, there, but where they really were able to assert themselves is athletically. They were able to make up for a lot of the maybe uh, schematic faults that they ran up against a Baylor or a tech or things like that. They were able to obviously come out and win. And of course, they end up losing in the first round to ACU. So it was kind of an awkward situation to say they couldn't fire Shaka Smart because he won the Big 12. um, But there was no recruiting momentum behind it, behind anything he was doing that he kind of realized that that was kind of his shot. And so they kind of mutually part ways. 
so he takes the Marquette job. Texas goes and hot and gets Chris Beard. Um, admittedly, it wasn't a hire that I thought would happen. I thought he, I thought Tech would. I thought he was happy at Tech. I thought he'd be able to stay there, and I thought Tech would be able to. Uh, I thought they were more comfortable paying a head coach in basketball that much as opposed to Texas doing that. So he gets to Texas. Uh, uh, Texas gets Chris Beard, phenomenal hire. And then he goes and basically just high, uh, gets every big time transfer on the market. Um, and he gets a big, uh, a big coup with Andrew Jones announcing he's coming back. He has Courtney Ramey coming back. He has Brock, Cun- Brock Cunningham coming back. And he instantly has, in combination with his coaching ability and these transfers, he instantly has a team that I think should be elite eight or bust at the very least. Um, and so, I mean, every every top 25 projection has them top five at least. Yep. Uh, I know Ken Palm has them just outside of that. Um, actually, Ken Palm has them about 14. But I just looked at I, Sports Illustrated this morning. They had them. They had them second. Yeah, there it, it's it's insane. You have you had Timmy Timmy Allen. You had Marcus Carr. You have uh, Trey Mitchell. Um, uh, Kentucky's starting point guard uh, Devin Askew uh, is going to be like their third guard, fourth guard off the bench. Like it's just they're just so deep. And so, and so, yeah, like all of a sudden, Texas has national title aspirations again after seemingly being caught in no man's land after that ACU win. Um, obviously, we know what Chris Beard's style is, that no middle defense. Offensively, we'll see, because there is offensive talent here, probably more offensive talent than what he was bringing at Tech at times. Um, but it's, you know, his system was notorious for having kind of an ugly offense. And so yeah. I'm kind of curious to see how he fits all of this together. I, I think offensively, they're just going to open it up and just allow tons of freedom, whether sure. that's in transition, um, whether that's just the flow of the or motion of the offense. I think they're just going to open it up completely because I like you said, Chris Beard's system at Tech was very rigid as far as playing to his personnel to a degree. Mm-hmm. And we saw last year they had a little bit more of an offensive team, but it still didn't, you know, it didn't overwhelm anybody, right? Like yeah. we didn't look at Mac McClung and be like, wow, okay, this guy can go for 20 a game. They have, I, I wouldn't start Mac McClung on this team. I wouldn't even say he's probably a top four guard on this team as far as like, right. you know, in college, the college version of him. Sure. Like that's how high I am on Carr, Ramey, Jones, uh, Askew, like, and then you keep going down the list. Uh, these aren't guards, but Dylan Disu, uh, Jalen Tyson, freshman, a high four star. I think it was the number 35 player in the country. Uh, Jace Fevers is back as well. Mm-hmm. So there's not a single player besides maybe Avery Benson, like on this roster and, and the walk-ons obviously that couldn't be a starter at like a majority of the schools in the country. Like sure. they didn't just bring in players. They brought in, uh, Dylan Dissou started at Vanderbilt. Devin Askew started at Kentucky. Like Trey Mitchell started. Timmy Allen started. These are all guys that started at their programs. And I mean, Timmy Allen was a first team all pack yeah, player. No, like, yeah. And Marcus Carr, for, for Marcus first team Carr all, too, yeah. all big, big 10. So from a talent perspective, it is amazing that Chris Beard is, was able to go to the transfer portal and just not just reload, but upgrade every. And I won't say every position because last year's team, what, what makes it interesting is I went back and obviously you look at last year's team. You're like, man, from a talent perspective, these guys should have been like it. And then we, yeah, we talked about yeah. it plenty of times, like Jones, Remy Cole, uh, Brown, Sims, Kai Jones. And you're just like, this year's team feels more refined, even though it's a new team. 
Mm-hmm. And that doesn't, and that's weird to say, right? Yeah. No, no, I, I think, I think you're right. I think that last year's team had that balance of, you know, Kai Jones and Greg Brown be giving you that like unique athleticism, Jericho yeah. Sims. Um, and they had that mix of, you know, Matt Coleman at point guard. I, Matt Coleman would start on this team just because the, I think in terms of pure point guard talent and pure point guard skills, I think they this that's the one question I do have with this team, right? In terms of like who kind of sets things down and settles things down. So like if they did have a Matt Coleman, he would start on this team. Um, I do think uh, we're recording this the day after they played their scrimmage against uh, TLU, uh, Texas Lutheran. Um, and I do think it was interesting, their starting lineup, because I think Jeff Goodman was out at practice um, uh, a couple of months ago or last month, I think, or a couple of weeks ago. And they rolled out a different starting lineup than what they played against TLU. Their starting lineup for TLU was Andrew Jones, Marcus Carr, Christian Bishop from Creighton, hmm. uh, Courtney Ramey, and Timmy Allen. Yes. So that's an under a little bit of an undersized team because I believe Christian Bishop is the tallest guy there, yeah. and at six seven, and Timmy Allen's kind of a, a hybrid uh, uh, Zaire Smith, Jarrett Culver yeah. type four. Um, and then there's no pure point guard. Right. Like Courtney Ramey, Marcus Carr, Andrew Jones, those are scores. And yeah. so I do wonder the, the, I do wonder who it, it, does one of those guys convert to more of a traditional point guard role. Um, and also I think Brock Cunningham will get into that starting lineup just because of what he provides defensively. And I think what Chris Beard wants to establish on that end. But that doesn't make them that much bigger though. I was looking at Dylan. True, Dixie, true. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will say, I thought Trey Mitchell, I thought Trey Mitchell, but again, he's a, yeah. he's a Trey stretch Mitchell. though. But he's yeah. a stretch, so that's, like that's, he's not like a traditional big. So yeah, that's what I'm, that's that's that that is the one question here is they're not overly big at all, and mm-hmm. we know there's some college basketball teams whether it's Kofi Coburn or or Dickinson at Michigan, like those mm-hmm. are just two that come to mind that have some bigs. Now I will say that's kind of what made Beard's Tech teams so special. You know, he was able to play Culver at the five at times. He was able to, you know, the uh, uh, Marco Santos Silva was their biggest guy last year. He's not a huge guy. Um, and so I do think that's what kind of makes their, their team defense and that no middle defense a little bit, uh, hard to play against. So I'm, I'm really fascinated to see what this team looks like. Obviously I didn't watch much of the TLU game. You're not going to learn anything. That was mostly for coach Mike Wacker to get reintegrated back with the program and things like that. I saw they had like Texas had like warm up jerseys with Wacker on the back. It was a really cool thing for him. Um, that was what that was before. I didn't, I wasn't going to pay attention to the result of that game. I just thought it was interesting that the starting lineup, they rolled out. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. We could spend a long time on this team. Cause like I said, I, mean, I know this is, this is, it's ridiculous, this right? Is, like this there's, is, there's so much <laughs> between the turnover, between it being it, Texas, between it being a new coach. I mean, yeah. you could dedicate a whole podcast to, to these, these, uh, these dudes, but yep. um, I'm interested. I, again, this is a team you, you mentioned, you know, they've had, uh, Beards had success in the past, but this is a different expectation here. I mean, obviously, I made a championship game for God's sake. So, right. but still, the expectation is now a little, a little bit different here. So, all right, predictions: eighteen games. I'm going to assume in the Big Twelve. I believe it is. Yeah. Um, Man, Big Twelve is really good this year again. Is very good again, and it I'm going to. I'm going to go. Jesus, <laughs> this is hard. And, and you have to say whether you think they win the regular season conference or not, which will be. I don't think they win the regular season conference. Okay. Um, I think 
I'm gonna go twelve and six. I think they. I think. I think there's. They split some games. Kansas is back. Um, I think Baylor might split one. I think. I think they probably lose that game in Lubbock, just because that's gonna be a huge game for for that program. Um, West Virginia is gonna be. You know, it's it's just weird. I I think twelve and six. There. I don't think there's a a dominant team like we've seen the past couple of years in the Big Twelve. I'm 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 really high on this team's potential. And yeah, 100%. like there's, I, I trust beard as a coach. I, I just, I'm going to go with 14 and four and I don't know if that wins it. Just, I think it might, it should. I think probably. it might. I think it, in the regular season, I think it might. I think yeah. it would because I don't see a team going 15 and three. I just don't right. at all. Baylor, Kansas, like those are really good teams, but I don't think there's going to be a Baylor of last year, just mowing through them. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go 14 and four and I think they, they win it. Yeah, I think so. I think this is a team that's definitely when the tournament rolls around, this is going to be a very different team. And it's going to be a very good team, a clicking team by that point. But I think there's going to be some stumbles along the way because it's a lot of pieces to fit together. <laughs> yeah. And I just I just don't feel good picking uh Texas to to win anything as far as best as far as basketball. Chris Beard's got I was about to say Chris Beard was the was the guy that would prove this wrong, but like Man, you still got to see it to believe it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, actually, Texas any sport, picking them to win, it seems crazy, but here we are. Yeah, no, right. All right. Uh, to the women, let me get the timer going. Well, you take them while I get, oh, okay. I get this typed up. Uh, uh, Texas, 21 and 10 in the last year, 11 and 7 in the Big 12. A team, the first year under Vic Schaefer, I think what they showed last year. I'm trying to there's there's an interesting balance between the regular season team and the tournament team. The tournament team obviously flashed insane potential, insane possibility going all the way to the Elite Eight, I believe it was, um, before losing to South Carolina. Yes. And beating teams like UCLA, beating teams like Maryland. And but then you and so that obviously created a lot of optimism for this team, rightfully so. But then you look at the regular season, you remember. This is a team that really relied a lot on Charlie Collier, relied a lot in big games uh, on Charlie Collier. And if she didn't do, if she didn't perform in those big games, they folded. It was like, it was night and day as opposed like when you, when you see the games against Baylor, when you see the games against uh, uh, Iowa state, if she didn't play well, they got destroyed. And so now of course there's no Charlie Collier. Now you lose also Celeste Taylor. Okay, so what's this team? I feel like with Vic Schaefer, this team's always going to be in contention somewhat. But I think this is a team that's a year away because I do think they have the star potential with Rory Harmon. Um, I don't know if uh, Kendall Hunter will be that player from year from year one, but I do think there's potential there. But I don't want to say that uh, uh, Rory Harmon comes in year one and starts hits the ground running yeah so you know now it's it's probably the joanne allen taylor show and she's very talented and she had a lot of usage last year but i don't quite see the the jump from her to like superstar for what they need her to be this year. yeah i mean if, so. if we just if we just look at it from a top end talent perspective i mean charlie collier was she gonna be the number one pick yeah in, in in the WNBA draft like this is a um, a player who put up 19 and 11 on a, on a pretty consistent basis. But like you said, they were inconsistent in their results mm-hmm. um, in the regular season. And that's what 
that's what made a lot of people skeptical going mm-hmm. into the tournament. Um, and they did have a very good tournament run. So now you go into this year losing Charlie Collier. And like you said, this feels like a very young team. If you look at their roster, they have three seniors, a junior, and then everybody else is an underclassman. Like it's, it's not an old team. It's a team that's going to take a little bit to get going. And I don't see, I mean, they added Aliyah Matheru, uh, which we talked about in our backcourt podcast, uh, Mississippi State transfer who started over there. Mm-hmm. And so I think she's going to help them a lot. Uh, as far as the creating goes next to Joanne Allen Taylor. But then you look at the guard depth and I'm like, all right, you have Ashley uh, Chevalier and then mm-hmm. you have Roy and then you have the side Creek duo, uh, Rory Harmon and Kendall Hunter. They have to, those three, as far as depth goes, have to really, really take a step forward. Like those, sure. those, those players can't just be all right. They have to be at least solid, at least like rotationable. I feel like Matharu, um, I think will help a lot um and then you have like a bunch of returners that like played last year but like were rotation ish um so i i just don't i'm trying to figure out where this team is gonna like go for consistent scoring on offense and then if not are they gonna be a top 20 defense in the country and i i don't know about that yeah i i think that's i mean that's a fair question um i should say i meant i meant oklahoma state not iowa state when i was talking about teams that texas struggled against um but you look at those games and it was like charlie collier like five of 20 right and it was like if she doesn't if she wasn't hitting they were just they just had no option b i think that's why they were able to advance in the tournament is because they kind of really saw other players come into their own right but the problem is one of those players was celeste taylor i just mentioned and so they were an okay offensive team um, and again, a lot of that was shouldered by their, by their post presence. They were a good, a decent rebounding team, even outside of Charlie Collier, I'll say, um, they were about 35th in the country and offensive rebounds per game. Uh, they didn't allow many offensive rebounds. They got, they crashed the defensive board pretty well. They didn't turn the ball over. I think that was something that was really interesting. Yep. Um, so I wonder with Joanne Allen Taylor still there, if that's going to continue to kind of their, their careful ball handling, I do think Rory Harmon's going to be able to help their uh, uh, defensive turnovers. They were they were one of the best teams in the country in turnover rate, um, uh, opposition turnover rate. Yeah, and so I think she'll be able to help that passing uh, steals in the passing lane. But yeah, um, offensively, they were they were I mean, they weren't bad, right? They weren't they weren't an elite offensive team. I'll say they put up a lot of shots. Um, but well, the they, thing did, is they, they got a lot of uh, rebounds, offensive rebounds as well. Sure. And, and so they were able to get those collier, yeah. And that's another collier, um, you know, feather in her hat. I, I just value post presence in the women's mm-hmm. game so much. I just feel like it really opens up the court. And even though Charlie Collier had, you know, what, 13 assists last year, like I'm not going to say she was Nicola Jokicing out here right. in the post, but still to have a post presence opens up a lot of the court in the women's game. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, I don't know well enough maybe you you could help me in what this offense could look like without her under Vic Schaefer because obviously Vic Schaefer coming year one just walked into that situation so year two what will what what that could look like on offense yeah I I don't know I mean I think this team will obviously this is this it's a Vic Schaefer team so it's going to be a team that relies on its perimeter defense on its you know on its um uh, aggression on that side of the ball I think they have the athleticism to be able to uh, lean on that side more. Um, but it's good. The, the question is going to come when, 
you know, when Iowa State pushes the ball, when Baylor is able to shoot better because they bring in, they brought in a better scoring guard play this year. You know, what happens when they get in a little bit more of a track meet? And I think that's where their issues are going to be. Yep. All right. You ready to predict? Yep. Um, Um, I'm going to go. I think, I think I'm going to go about the same thing. I'll go 11 and seven. I think they, I think they, I don't, I don't know if they take a game off Baylor. I think they probably drop a game to Iowa State. State. Teams like Oklahoma State fall back to the pack because they lost. They lost quite a bit, but yeah, um, I'd still think there's some teams where they'll they'll. It'll be a weird question marks. TCU, um, with TCU is going to be a lot better too. So, yeah, Texas Tech. We hope can can be a little better. Yeah, Um, there's a lot of situations where I see them splitting series this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to go ten and eight. Okay. So one under you this time. I could see it playing out similar to last year in terms of like, we have a lot of questions about this team. And then when the tournament hits, you're just like, Oh, something, something clicks. And they just game to game. They're able to put together a game plan that uh, probably has them looking a little bit more, a little yeah. bit better. They also lost Kyra Lambert. Not for yeah. nothing. What did yeah. I didn't, I didn't, didn't mention that. I just do want to mention that mm-hmm. that is three starters right there. Yep. So we'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting. All right, yeah. to Abilene Christian, um, the men, uh, I'll, I'll start us off here. 24-5 uh, and five overall, 13-2 and two in the Southland. This was a team that when we started this podcast, whew, it was, was kind of like, yeah, it was like in its role, and we were just like, all right, we, we just got to watch Abilene Christian now. And mm-hmm. so with Stephen F. Austin's postseason ban, it became like an Abilene Christian podcast for a bit because it was th- so much fun to watch, just such a – unique style under Joe Golding, just said, um, the way they played because mm-hmm. they ended the year with the 26th ranked defense in the country. That's nuts. For they had, the, they had the, top, the top turnover percentage on defense. Like you go down the list of these stats and they are one of the best defenses in the country with a five, seven point guard with six foot two guard with like a six foot three, basically um, like a six five four, and then you have Colton Cole in the middle who was seven one, but like a tree. And so, yeah. if you handed that roster to like any other coach here, basically in the country, like maybe Chris Beard could get them to the top 50, but like it was absolutely insane. And it wasn't just the coaching job that year, it was an instilled culture mm-hmm. that they've had for years upon years. And so, you lose Joe Golding to eight to UTEP. You bring in Brett Tanner, who has been an assistant there for seven years, and you hope that this can continue. You hope that the yeah. shared knowledge is there. They return a majority of their players. Um, I have the roster up here, and they I bring back their back. They're basically their the whole backcourt, the whole backcourt. Damian Daniels, Reggie Miller, Corian Mason, uh, Arian Simmons, who didn't start last year but was still a contributor a lot of times. It's six foot five, uh, Ford. Obviously, they lose Colton Cole. That's a that's the big loss to me. Um, and they bring in a couple junior college guys to try to replace that in Yot Gao and I cannot say this name, but for Faraha Kadu Didu. That's what we're gonna go with. Uh, so one first one's six eleven and the second one's six eight. You can correct yeah. me if, however. No, you no I think it. I think that's uh, that's better than I would have tried to Faruha Kadu Didu. That's what we're gonna go with. <laughs> um but yeah, they they bring in two Fords in that aspect to maybe re- try to replace Cole and 
figure it out on defense, but good Lord, mm-hmm. they were an amazing defensive team last year. I loved watching them and they returned a lot of the backcourt. And now, I and mean, if not for nothing last year, they were also 115th in pace. They weren't playing slow right? when they had the ball as much. I feel like they slowed other teams down and that's what made it feel a little slower. The yeah. depth of last year going to this year is going to be a question for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, one of the other guys, Joe Pleasant, of course, is gone now to Wichita State, I believe. Um, he was there. He was. He kind of let them switch one through four a little bit. Um, he he was kind of a smaller four, um, not the quickest guy, but somebody who you weren't afraid to get uh, switched onto in pick and roll situations. Um, but yeah, no, th- this is going to start from the backcourt. You mentioned it, man. This you mentioned those three guards. I mean, the size of them, right? Five, seven, five, seven, six foot. And they were absolutely ferocious on defense. Ask, ask Texas, just go look at that game. Yeah. And you get a perfect summary of what that team was. You get Matt Coleman matched up basically 90 feet against Reggie Miller. And you, I, I, I remember I gave Reggie Miller the co-defensive player of the year in the state with Davion Mitchell. And there were some people who disagreed with me. Go look at go look at Reggie Miller's stats when he was guarding opposing players. Locked down, genuinely. And he, I believe he was number one or top three in the country in defensive win shares. Like that dude is an absolute menace. And yeah, you mentioned it. They first in turnover percentage, second in non non-steal turnovers, and fifth in steal percentage. Like this is a team that was just absolutely in your face an entire game. You got so you, playing this team may, would make you so mad and you could tell when they played texas it, it that team was getting mad like they were they were forcing shots because it was like these team these guys aren't going away uh we can't score on them uh they're not they weren't exactly scoring great but it was just the fact that their defense kept them in that game for so long and i'm excited to see what i think it was the right move to have brett tanner come in and, and maintain this because they have something going here, right? Joe Golding was there for a long time and he built something over year, over the years. And I think they needed somebody to continue that because they do have a, uh, uh, a conference contending team, right? Like this is a team that absolutely can enter the whack and, and contend from day one. Um, of course, again, Pleasant and Cole are going to be huge guys to replace, but uh, especially I think offensively, they're, uh, Cole, they're going to miss Cole a lot. Yeah, because they can, they relied a lot on his production in the paint, but um, but still, like that de- that defense is going to be the ultimate crutch to kind of hang their hat on, because all else, like we talked about, the confusion of the whack and like what team's going to rise to the top and all that. Well, we know one thing: we know ACU is going to play the best defense in that conference, <laughs> and yep. that's going to say a lot. Yep, they were predicted to come in fourth in the conference by the media, fifth in coaches' poll. Like we've mentioned time after time, the WAC is a more competitive conference than Southland. And mm-hmm. it's going to be very just, it's going to be crazy watching it on a night in night out basis. There's not going to be those, you know, random games that like you just don't really care about. I mean, there will be because you have the bottom of the conference, but there's going to be sure. a lot more games that you do care about. Yeah. Um, I, they also brought in a wing from junior college and Steve Smith at six foot six, which I think can be a little bit of the scoring as well, Emmanuel Allen, they return. Makai Morris is another returner that's going to be a real key contributor. He's six foot three guard. Um, and yeah, I, I think this team still has enough depth, enough scoring. And if they can play defense the way they are capable of, and we saw last year, this is a top four team in the WAC. I'm pretty mm-hmm. comfortable saying that. So, same. 
All right. All right. I think we got 16 game conference. Is that what the whack was? Let's see. I, I have... think it's 16. Oh, we did that 18 in Stephen F. Austin. Did we? And 18 for UTRGV. Yeah. Okay, it might be 18 then. All right. Um, I'm gonna go with I, I'm gonna stick with I think they're the fourth or fifth best team. Yeah, it is 18. Sorry. I don't think their ceiling's as high this year. Sure. Yeah, um, there's no what was what are they 13 and two last year? What was it? Yeah, 13 and two. I, I can't see them going in on a similar trajectory there. Um no. I still think they're gonna be good. Mm, put me put me at mm, put me at 12 and six. Okay, I'm gonna go eleven and seven. Yeah, that's I think that, that feels more right. Well, uh, <laughs> no, I was gonna say eleven. Don't jump seven. on me. Don't jump on this now. You you got Damn yours it. already. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, I I, th- I just think it's gonna be, you know, Sam Houston, SFA. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other uh, Seattle. I mentioned uh, it, it's gonna be tough, and I think they frustrate some teams. I think they probably scrap against a get uh, against a favorite or two. Uh, they probably split a game against one of the conference favorites. Um, but yeah, this ain't gonna be no dominant. Twenty six feels a little bit like a ceiling. Sure, sure. I, I don't. This conference. I mean, there there are questions uh, offensively, right? They weren't yeah. great last year, and then they lost their best scorer. So yeah, it's the the margin for error is is slim. Yeah. Um. So they're gonna have to really execute, which they can. Obviously, like this sure. is a team that can compete with anybody in the conference. It's just the conference is significantly better than last year, right. and uh, your margins are a little smaller so i like 11 and 7 actually but i'm gonna stick with my 12 and 6 prediction because that's what i said first there you go stick with it all right uh to the women you can go first first of all julie good enough yeah i believe so is, is I, I was trying to fix i think it was it was either good enough or good now i cannot remember it's probably good now or something like that i i just read it as good enough yeah. and i was like this is amazing do you Anyways. think that was good enough all right go ahead. um <laughs> so okay ACU 14-13 last year, 6-7 and seven in conference. Kind of a downturn from what they were used to. Um, I mean, they were one of the easily one of the conference contenders uh, the past couple of years. I believe 24-5 and, and five the year before and 23-10 and 10 the year before that. Um, I think we're going to see a little bit more of a return to, return to uh, uh, form. This is a team that should be competing and is used to competing with SFA. In that conference, uh, they kind of even fell behind Sam Houston at times uh, last year. So I do think this is a team that bounces back a little bit. So I'm looking back on last year. They could not beat any of the good teams in the conference. And it was a little turning a little bit of a leaf. Excuse me. I know they lost, uh, I believe it was Lexi Ducat from the year before. And so they kind of, it was a little bit of a probably a year away type of team. And I think they're going to be better because you look at the conference uh, schedule last year 75 55 lost to sam houston of course we mentioned sfa 82 55 lost to sfa um uh, they lost a lot they split with lamar they had needed overtime to beat lamar in one game 73 52 lost to sfa again 88 72 to sam houston this is a team that really had to kind of hit a hard reset when they i don't think they wanted to uh when they weren't used to doing that yeah. uh i think they bring back an interesting cast. And so I think this is a team that rebounds a little bit. I still think they're a year away from being probably where they want to be. Um, of course, it does not help to enter into the whack, as we mentioned, but I do like this team a lot better. I think they bring back guys like uh, players like Maddie Miller. Um, and I think this is going to be a lot 
more comfortable of a year. I don't know if they take a game off SFA still, but I, I, I do think this is a better team. Um, yeah. I'm looking back on the past couple of years. They were so used to being one of the best teams in conference. And this is a team that should be right there neck and neck with SFA. And I mean, I'm looking, let me see, uh, one of the best offense, basically they were the best offense in the set in the Southland for a good couple years running. They were able to share the ball a lot. They were first in assists two years ago, first in field goal percentage, free throws, uh, uh, sorry, field goal percentage, two point percentage, three point percentage, uh, effective field goal percentage two years ago. And then last year they just fell to about average in the conference. So I think this is a team that can get back to similar ways, um, but is I think is still about a year away from finding where they are. Yeah. The obviously they have their identity. They shot 26 threes per game last year. Uh, the thing is they lost Anna McLeod and Alyssa yep. Adams who combined for 30 points per game. So Maddie Miller was selected to the second team all whack preseason. And you kind of see that because you need someone to step up in that respect. However, I will say, everybody on their team basically shot threes last year, like right. save for, you know, a couple of Sarah, like Sarah Griswold, Griswold. Um, everybody shot threes and Anna McLeod shot 202 threes last year, which is like eight a game, nine a right. game. Uh, so you are having to replace that, but I trust Maddie Miller to kind of step into that role to a degree. She's going to have to take a significant step forward, but she had 87 assists to 63 turnovers. So we're looking at someone who can handle the ball. Um, you mentioned, where was it? Oh, uh, I mean, you mentioned them not being used to having to reload to a degree. Uh, it looked like good enough, good enough, however you say, say her name. I'm sorry to, to get it wrong. But uh, she goes out and gets three grad seniors. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tatum, Bar- Tatum Barbers, five foot ten guard from Georgia Southern, who averaged seven and a half points per game over there. Uh, Emma Middleton, uh, 6'2 forward, uh, started at Lubbock Christian, who was actually a really solid player over there. I don't have her stats in front of me, but I remember seeing them last night. Uh, Jamie Bonnerens, uh, 6'4 forward, uh, graduate senior from Colorado State, who was a rotation player over there. So you add those three, and mm-hmm. then you return Maddie Miller, you return Paige Imborski, um, and you have a few other returners that are kind of experienced, Cameron Mraz, uh, Katie Hornia. Uh, so you, you have names like that. I, I can see where the talent is. They do, however, bring in five freshmen. I'm some of those might be walk uh, one or two of those might be walkers, but you have five freshmen on the roster here, yeah. and that's where I'm like, okay. So you have a really this gap of seniors, which I think they have five, and then you have five freshmen, and that's a majority of your team here. So mm-hmm. it, it it makes for an interesting roster construction going into the year where I'm not a hundred percent sure what we're gonna get because. On one hand, I expect them to shoot a lot of threes again. Um, and they shot 76 from the free throw line last year. Not all of that was McLeod and Adams, but mm-hmm. a lot of it was. So are we going to see the same things? Are we going to see, I don't know. Are we going to see them get to the free throw line even more this year? Like I, they, they were just such a, they were an offense that like from an analytics perspective has to be great, right? You got to the free throw yeah. line a ton. You shot a lot of threes. You can't ask for too much more, but like, what does it look like this year? Mm-hmm. And I think that this is another, this is a team that the other thing I'm really worried about is their rebounding because they basically lost all their rebounding. Right. Um, and so I do wonder, you know, I'm trying to think, uh, Alyssa Adam, they were a plus, uh, 
5.3 in rebounding margin last yeah, year. Yeah, they were they were a pretty good rebounding team, but they lost all of it, right? Alyssa Adams, Anna McLeod, that was so much of their rebounding. All right. I mean, their their biggest their best returning rebounder is Maddie Miller, who had four a game, you know. Um, and so is this a team that just chooses to rely on the three a lot? And there there's some benefits to that, right? We've talked about teams that are that are kind of choosing that route this year. And then there's going to, you're going to catch some teams probably off guard on a hot shooting night, but you know, you're also probably going to get beat on against some teams that can rebound very well and teams that can beat you up on the glass. So yeah, that's kind of my biggest thing with this team is where do they, where do they find that size? That's going to, can be a difference maker. It can be a, a kind of a deterrent to some of your, your weaknesses. And so, um, I, I do. Th- I do think this is a team that's getting back to its ways. It's not there yet, um, but like I said, this is a team that's about a year away. Which I say that still some seniors on this team, right? Maddie Miller's yep. a senior. Uh, Paige Borsky's a senior. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. The other, uh, the other grad seniors that I mentioned. Yeah. So like I say, they're a year away, but there. I I think in that aspect, you mentioned some of the underclassmen, some of the freshmen. They'll be ready, I think, to maybe go up a level in two years but as far as this year's concerned yeah i don't know it's 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 going to be fascinating to see how uh they balance this i think they get over 500 in the conference probably maybe squeak over 500 but um yeah i think it's gonna be a challenge well the the media i think had them picked eighth in the WAC, and the coaches had them picked fifth and that's a mm. really big separation that's pretty yeah that's pretty interesting like i don't think we've seen one that that wide right um and maybe that the fifth is based off of what they have been in years past and what we know evelyn christian to be um i don't know but all right let's let's predict let's see what we have evelyn christian's women at um i'm gonna i i'm i'm kind of low if and I don't know if this is really low, but I, I feel like I agree more with the eighth than I do the fifth mm-hmm. as far as where they're going to finish in the conference. Um, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go eight and 10. I'm going to go nine and nine. I think I, I was, I was hovering around eight and 10 as well. Um, yeah. There's still some holes on this team, right. In terms of in, inside and in their rebounding game, I think about nine and nine. I, I think their ceiling is probably 10 and eight. Right. So, yep. All right. On to Texas A&M Corpus Christi. The men's um, actually have a little bit of a tie to North Texas. Uh, Jalen Jackson from North Texas last year, the last couple of years, heads over to heads over there. Okay. Uh, Defensive type guard from uh, San Antonio Wagner. Uh, I think he's going to be a junior this year. Uh, Played a bit the past two years. Like I said, defensive guard first can get to the rim a little bit as well. And then North Texas in kind of what feels like a trade gets Rashid Brown from a <laughs> Corpus Christi, who only played six games last year, was hurt, but was by far one of, if not the best player on the team last year. So you have that trade. And then you look at a Corpus Christi as a team ends up five and 19 and two and 13 in conference last year, had two wins against division one schools. Uh, the lowest ranked team in Texas at, according to Kim Palm at 344, uh, they had a 92 offensive rating in conference, had an 89 offensive rating for the, uh, for the season, uh, which was bottom five in the country. Uh, and you look at the stats, it wasn't even like one, like 
staggering stat. It was just like all like, like in the three hundreds. Like all the stats sure. were just in the three hundred. And I was just like, man, this this hurts to look at. Because then yeah. you look at the returner, uh, top returner Miles Smith, averaged nine points per game, but he shot thirty six percent from the field. And mm-hmm. you know, maybe uh, it is hard to score when you don't have, well, let's say, whether it's system or talent around you, it is hard to be efficient, but still. Um, you know, shooting 36 and a half percent is not ideal. San Antonio Brenton, what a name, um, yeah. kind of is that all around player. They return him. So maybe he can, uh, give you a little bit of continuity, but, uh, you lose Jalen white and Rashid Brown. Like I mentioned, uh, I'm not sure. And it didn't look like they brought in like anybody crazy just when I was going through the roster. So, um, I, I, yeah, I, I have a somber tone in my voice for, for a reason here. <laughs> Yeah, I think I mean so they they basically hit a hard reset, right? Uh, they bring in new head coach Steve Lutz, uh, who I believe was a assistant from Purdue, um, and he was an assistant at Creighton before that. Very good recruiter, um, and so I do think that they're they're kind of hitting the build from the foundation, build from the ground up. Um, I think he he came. I think he coached under Danny Casper at SFA for a little bit too. And so he has Texas ties. He's a guy, he's literally somebody who's uh, known for recruiting and player development. I believe he had a uh, Creighton credited him a lot with Doug McDermott's development. Uh, I believe he's one of the guys who recruited Carson Edwards to Purdue. Um, so like he is somebody who can, who, who can recruit very well. And, you know, they needed this kind of hire, right? Cause you mentioned it, this team's, it's not going to be a very good team. I'm just going to put it that way. Um, this is very much going to be, Let's see what this. Let's see what Steve Lutz's team looks like. Let's see what this foundation looks like. Um, I'm curious to see. I think there'll be an okay rebounding team, but that's kind of it. Um, defensively, they're not great. Shooting, they're not great. <laughs> um, but I do. I'm. I'm curious to see what he does on the recruiting trail now that he's back in Texas, and see if he can. Because this is a team that historically has been a solid team. Right. Like I remember when I was covering Texas state Corpus Christi was that team that Casper would put on the schedule. And you're like, Oh, like the players would be like, Oh, these guys again. Like it was just that team that would really frustrate you and probably nick a win off of you. And I do think they want that. There is a spot for, especially now in the Southland, that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, measured out a little bit. There is a team, there is a spot for a team that's just frustrating to play when you're a non-conference school and can compete for to punch into that top of the of the conference. Um, I'm looking back just as early as 2019. They, this is a team that beat UTA, right? This is a team that was beating uh, SFA, and so I don't think they're too. Again, that was two years ago. That's not that far, or three years ago. That's not that far ago. This is an, this is a team that's been slowly on the downturns, which is why I think they chose to make a a change, um, but this isn't a team that's historically been bad. Um, so I think there is something to something to work with here. So, yeah. Um, it's not an overly young team. I mean, there yep. are three grads, grad seniors, two regular seniors, five, six, seven jun- juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of those being transfers, like I said, Jalen Jackson, um, Isaac Mushila. Um, they returned the Lazarius Keys, uh, who sh- should help them as well as uh, along with Brinson, uh, Ethan White as well. 
think it's the Lazarus keys, by the way. The Lazarus keys. What I say? Yeah. De Lazarus. De Lazarus or something. De Lazarus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not good with names. That's okay. But yeah, they they're not a, a young team, so yeah. you're gonna have they went they got added a couple transfers here that I, I think Jalen Jackson can help them on the defense side of the ball. Albeit they weren't they were much better on the defensive side of the ball last year. I mean, in conference they were seventh, mm-hmm. so they just couldn't score the ball at all. So, um, yeah, maybe they can figure something out here. Um, we'll, we'll see. There, it's kind of like a show me type situation sure. here because sure. you have enough seniority here you gotta just put it together mm-hmm. basically all right you ready to predict let's go ahead and predict what do we got we got a i think 14 and 14 southland. game conference schedule yeah 14 in, in southland um the southland hmm. is not good this nope. year um but i still i mean there's still like significantly better teams yeah here yep, yep, yep. um like UIW, do we think they're going to be better than UIW? I don't. I don't think so. Uh, if if not better, then not that much better. Like you know, if they are better, Houston Baptist. We have the men at eight and six and six and eight for Houston Baptist. Um, I, I think Houston Baptist might be better. <laughs> Lamar is in the whack now, right? Yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm gonna go. I think they they add enough transfers here to win a win a win a game or two. Um, on top of what they won last year, I'm gonna put them close to UIW. I'm gonna have them three and eleven. No, no, that's not true. Four and ten. This is they're they're gonna win four games in in the South. I'm gonna go five and nine. Yeah, you can go four and ten. Uh, I'm gonna go five and nine. <laughs> I'm gonna go a tick more optimistic. I think but... I think they 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 could. I think five and nine is their ceiling, though. That's that's. I think they, I'm having them hit their ceiling. They could win five way. games. Yes. I, honestly, in the Southland, I don't. I have no clue what's gonna happen. Very true. It's let's, it's not a good conference. Let's just see what I wanna, happens. I want to see the RPI of this conference after. It's gonna it's gonna be bad. <laughs> Not no, yeah, we don't want to see that. We don't want to <laughs> see that at all. Um, all right, uh, wrap us up. Last one, the AM Corpus Christi women's. Uh, you can start us off there if you are ready. Okay, I can get ready. Really okay, here we go. Got it. <clears throat> all right, six and thirteen, four and seven in conference. Um, this is a team, I don't know. They weren't they weren't great offensively, they were solid at rebounding. Here, let me, let me turn stop the- you. Let me stop you right here. They shot yeah. 10 threes per game at 26%, while opponents yeah. shot 21 threes per game at yeah. 33%. Yeah. Tell me how many games you're going to win with that disparity here. Uh, not many. Not unless, you hit, unless you hit all your 10 threes, that's great. You know, they shot 26%. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so, so, no, this was a team that was 243rd in uh, field goal percentage. Uh, yeah, field goal percentage. 337th. And three point percentage, so they didn't shoot a lot of threes, and like you mentioned, and they didn't make a lot of threes. Um, geez, I didn't know they were 342nd in points in percentage from three pointers, 13% of their points came from three pointers in the modern game. That ain't cutting it. Um, so yeah, I don't they bring back quite a bit, they're they're one of the more experienced teams um in the southland so i wonder how much of that helps they were a solid rebounding team 
They didn't turn the ball over a lot. They were, I believe they're 38th in, uh, in terms of assisted shots. They almost, almost 63% of their shots were assisted last year, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, they stole the ball. They were pretty solid defensively. They were 45th in steals per game, 41st in steal rate. Uh, they had, they were decent at shot blocking about top 90 in the country. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm kind of trying to figure out, they bring back Alicia Westbrook. They, is their kind of, go ahead. They return, I'm sorry. They return eight of their top nine in minutes played Yeah, from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm always someone who looks at it like, you know, they return everybody, but is that always a good thing? I don't hundred percent know. Um, it is different situation to situation, so I'm not going to disparage them at all, but I will say they were, they were, they were a big team. And so I'm wondering how much of that three point shooting was just them trying to like really over exploit their size. Yeah. Um, because like I mentioned, I think they bring, they bring back Alicia Westbrook, who's six one, they bring back Alexandria Pollard, who's six three. And so it's like, I get it, right? Well, if you have that size, why would you shoot a lot of threes? Um, but you do have, in the modern game, you do need to be able to shoot and yeah. or at least stop the other team from shooting. Right. He's about to say you better be very locked down on defense. Um, because if you're willing to trade, you know, if you're willing to 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 dominate size, great. But teams are willing to trade twos for threes now. And if you can't catch up, that's they, that's they an also issue. they also shot 64% from the free throw line. Um, yeah. they did have a good amount of assists. So I, I go to your, your assist number, which is, which is good, but they, mm-hmm. they did turn the ball over a decent amount. I mean, they yeah. were, if my numbers are, I think they were three and three minus 3.4 in turnover margin. Mm-hmm. So you're turning the ball over, you're not shooting threes and you're not making your free throws. Um, is that's not good. However, which I mentioned at the top of the show, two years, they go, they, two years ago, they went 23 and seven and 17 and three. And you would know better than I what, if anything, what changed from that year to this year. And obviously, personnel, I went back and looked at it. It was, mm-hmm. a, it was a different team, a yes. different team from last year's team. So I can't completely say that it's shocking. But <laughs> here's ahead. a stat that I found out. This team was winless when the other team scored more than 60. Oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> uh, oh my God. All of their wins. The closest the team got was they beat. I'm trying to find it again. I had the score up here, uh, sixty to fifty-eight in overtime against the Garner War. That was the most they allowed in a in win. overtime. In overtime, yeah, exactly. So if a team got any type of offense going that made them chase a game, it was it was it was curtains. Seventy-eight seventy lost to Houston Baptist. Sixty-four forty-seven lost to Sam Houston. Sixty-eight fifty-seven to Lamar. Um, 54, uh, I'm trying, 73-51 to ACU, who, again, we talked just talked about them, weren't a great ACU team last year. This is a team that really, they had no plan B if that size and that 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 defense led up. And I guess, I think that's more of a tempo thing, right? Because they, they weren't a great defensive team. They were solid, but they weren't great. But you could tell that's a, that's, that's a thing in terms of like points per possession, right? Where it's like, if they slow the game down and if there's very little possessions, they can win. They can absolutely use their size. They can get shots that they like and they can dominate. If they're, if they, if that kicks up, that tempo kicks up, they're kind of, they kind of have no plan B. And so, yeah, that's, I didn't know it was that stark. I did. I was just looking and I was like, I was like, did they win any game where they got in a little bit of a track meet? And uh, no, <laughs> the answer is no. I mean, this, um, sorry, I'm pulling up. Uh, 
I don't have the head coach in front of me. Can you pull up the, the head coach? Uh, Royce Chadwick. Uh, how long has, has, have they, has he been there? Has he been uh, there? Let me see. Ba, 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 ba. I do not have that up. So, because I asked because two years ago, the mm-hmm. team that I continue to reference shot 653 threes on a yeah. season where they in 32 games. So mm-hmm. we're looking at. It does not. Uh, uh, he's heading into his 10th year. Okay, so it's I think he won coach of the year that yeah, he year did. You're he did. About. That's, yeah, that's yeah. why that's what it was. That's what it was. I did. I went back and looked at it. I didn't type it, but I looked at his name and it said 2020 coach of the year. So then I went back or 2019, whatever year it was, mm-hmm. coach of the year. I went back and looked at it. I was like, oh my gosh. So they must have been good. Sure enough, they were good. Two years ago, they shot 289 threes in 30 yeah. games. So this is, in fact, just what he does. This is they shot nine threes a game two years ago, basically yeah. at a 28% clip. But the difference was two years ago, teams still shot a ton of threes on them, almost 20 mm-hmm. a game. Other teams only shot 28% from three. That's the difference here. You can't just let other teams shoot 30, what did I say, 33% from three on right. 20 plus attempts here. Like yeah. that's going to kill you. That's almost, that's basically one point of possession on a third of your possessions basically and right. if you're not yeah, the perimeter three, defense let them down last year yeah so that's the big difference here right yeah um uh they still got to the free throw line they got to the free throw line a lot two years ago and they made their free throws two years ago so i mean you look at it it's just like this this, this is his style right they mm-hmm. were plus mm-hmm. six in turnover and uh, i'm sorry in rebounding two years ago as well i'm just looking at these stats and you're like all right Sure, they're a big team. They averaged 4.7 blocks per game two years ago. This is what they are. They're a big yeah. team, to go to what you said. But you have to stop other teams from just lighting you up from three. And I think that's right. probably the difference going in, looking at last year's compared to two years ago. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that you see, you clearly, like you could literally just look at this roster and you can see why they would choose to play this style, right? 6-3, Six one, six foot, six five eleven is probably one of their shorter players. Yeah. <laughs> uh, six two, and so you see, like, okay, yes, you you absolutely, especially at the Southland and this year's Southland, you're probably gonna catch some teams off with that, um, because you're not gonna play a lot of teams that would. They're gonna be the biggest team in the conference by far, um, and so you're gonna catch, you're gonna have some teams where you maybe double up some people on the boards. But again, it goes back to like the trading twos for threes thing. Maybe that doesn't maybe that doesn't bite them as much in a new Southland conference. Maybe they are more of a dark horse contender with this group with this cast because like you're not playing an SFA who shoots the lights out. You're not playing Sam Houston that could absolutely kick the tempo up and then kind of neutralize you on defense. I don't know. I don't. Why I, I still think this is a team that. It, I don't know. I. I I don't know if their three point defense ramps back up to what it was a couple years ago. Um, Obviously, that's kind of the key there. If they can stop teams from hitting threes on them, they probably can scrap out a above 500 win and probably punch towards the the upper half of this conference. But I don't I'm know. Just, I'm just looking at the stats from the past few years, um, yeah. and every year it's the same. This is the identity is this, yeah. This is this, this is what they do. This is what they do. The other team shoots about 20 threes per game. It's whether they make them or not that pretty much decides right. their season. I mean, yeah. the past even. 2018 and 2017 they were giving up 18 threes a game but they were shooting 30 30 and 31 percent from three and you come off a year where you should give up 33 percent. that might not sound like a lot two percent right. but that's instead of it being um 93 
yeah, 93 or 0.93 points per possession. It's 0.99 points per possession. Like that's, yep. that's something here. Um, so yeah, that's this. And they out rebounded their opponents pretty significantly in those other years as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's a culture they have. Um, I'm interested to see if it works and cause three point shooting a lot of times can be a little random, but if you're giving people open threes, you're not looking good. So yep. we'll see. Hope they, work, and, hope they work on those closeout drills and, and the yep, get, get the hand up, shuffle the feet, shuffle the, Let's feet, go. Shuffle the feet left to right. There we go. Um, so yeah, that's, that it'll be interesting. Um, I will say they, they have been good in years past. I mean, they've, they've, they've won games here. I mean, this last year was their worst season uh, since 2013. So, I mean, this is, it's like I said, at this level, this is a style that can, can, can play in your favor. If you, if you can play it right, you can dominate some teams with this style, with this, uh, with their size. So we'll see if it's able to balance out. All right. Predictions. 14 game season. Anum Corpus. 14 game season. I, uh, go ahead. I trust. I, I weirdly, I, I really trust this team to get back on track. I think because I they have a culture and they have a mm-hmm. system. And I I trust that a lot more than maybe I should. But mm-hmm. when I see that, I feel like there's at least some whenever things went wrong last year. It was like, all right, when they went into the offseason, it was like, we don't need to change everything about our existence. We were two years ago, we were 20 and seven and, you know, winning awards. Like, we don't need to change everything. So I think they know what they're doing. I'm going to be optimistic here. And I don't know if it's like super optimistic whenever I say optimistic, but um, I'm going to go seven and I'm going to go seven and seven. Oh, okay. I was going, I'm going eight and six. I was going to go eight and six and then I didn't <laughs> see, I always stay optimistic and then I can never pull the trigger as much as I want to. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you better not say eight and six. Cause I was going to go that. So yeah, cool. I'm being the more optimistic one there. I think they do All get right. back to a little bit like you, uh, like you mentioned, the Southland's not very good. So yeah, I think they'll be able to, most of their bad losses came against teams that aren't there anymore. So yeah. Eight and six is feels, feels good. Feels right. I, I've been on the opposite side. I've been on the the wrong. Uh, I've been under underrating some people. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll look back and we'll see if uh, we'll see if that was uh, uh, measured on your part or you were just being pessimistic. I'm probably just being pessimistic. It's just how I am. All right. That I believe was, I believe in the, the 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 what's what was the grit and grind style of, of play that they got going on. Yeah, grit so. grit and grind. <laughs> Man, look, the the Grizzlies looking like the Grizzlies from 2012. There you go. Yeah. Um, hey, we can call them the Grit and Grind. What, they're the Islanders, right? Grit and Grind. Grit and Gryland. I was trying to make something no, work there. No, stop. <laughs> stop. All right. We're going to end the podcast. We don't need to hear that from Ish anymore. Um, all right. What do we have left here? After this, we have Baylor, UNT, and UTA as our last podcast. So if you're listening to this, uh, check out our other podcasts on, uh, on our site on our podcast platform on everything like that. Uh, we've now gone through 40, 42 teams, 42 Ooh. of the 48 teams in the state we have gone through. So check out previews for all those. Again, the season starts November 9th. So get all your preview content before that, uh, pick up the magazine. Um, and yeah, check out all of our content on at DCT basketball on Twitter at Ishmael R Johnson for ish at Matthew Bruni underscore for me. 
texasbasketball.com on the website. So check all that out. We appreciate y'all for joining us. We'll talk to y'all later.